Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Tuesday afternoon. Well, 20 years ago today, Roy Keane was sent home from the 2002 World Cup finals in South Korea, Japan. No need to remind you if you were alive at that stage and conscious of what was going on that the country absolutely imploded. Families split, arguments raged, some for McCarthy, others for Keane. Newspapers, radio, television were dominated by the story for days on end. And last evening I was watching RTE News, uh, reminding us of uh, 20 years ago. And a young man called Paul Lennon was in Roy Keane's ear on the day and the run-up to all that happened and he's on the line with me today. Afternoon, Paul. Good afternoon, Jerry. Well, you were looking fresh and well, I have to say. <laughs> For once. <laughs> what did you say to him? You know, do you remember what passed between you in that particular clip? I think well, what it was from um, memory theory, I was funny enough, I was watching the news yesterday and I was kind of trying to pinpoint exactly when uh, because it was a terrible week, um, he, he wasn't in good form at the start of the week in South Pan. He, he, by Tuesday, he told McCarthy he was going home. He was talked out of it by a number of people, including Alex Ferguson, his family, people in the FEI, to stay. He did. He then did an interview in the Irish Times, which was published on a Thursday, and he had a go at, at the FEI and, the, and McCarthy. Some of it was, well, was mild enough criticism, some of it was, was, was heavy duty. McCarthy was unhappy with this. And from memory, those that brief chat I had with him was an hour or two before McCarthy sent him home. Because uh, after meeting that uh, McCarthy uh, conducted, he brought in the whole squad, all the staff, and said to Roy, well, what's this you have in this in, in this interview in the Irish Times? And um, Keane reacted very negatively. He, he felt that it was a problem with McCarthy. He should be, he should, the two of them should be in a room dealing with this and he felt that they were, that they were ganging up and that McCarthy had staged a bit of a a bit of a trap for him so he let fly and mm. he let he gave McCarthy a complete full barrels no he didn't hold back on what he felt about McCarthy the FBI and some other people so McCarthy then um, said no so that that brief clip of me with Keane in the, in the team hotel inside Pan is I think about an hour I was saying to him um, I believe there's things happening 
Mm. <laughs> the bubble, because we knew some of the content of what was in the Irish Times article. Mm. Even though there was a nine-hour time gap, we were nine hours ahead mm. of here. So that was late afternoon, it was early morning here, but we had an inkling from speaking to other people what was in this interview. So I knew, and the other journalists knew what was coming down the tracks, and I was asking Roy for his comment on this, and if he would do, I think, would he do uh, a piece with a number of journalists? I think that's what the, the background of that clip is. Had uh, you mentioned there the way it happened, and, and normally in football, behind the scenes, you know it is. If a manager has an issue, he brings the player in. It looked like a kangaroo court, obviously, to Keane. As you said, he let fly. There were choice words, and he dug at McCarthy, the FAI, and everybody. In hindsight, 20 years on, did he have to send him home? Or, or you know, could there have been you know negotiations to keep him there? Could it have worked? I see earlier, as I say, on, on the Tuesday, Keane was, I told McCarthy that he was unhappy, and Keane complained about the state of the training pitch. It was deplorable. So that was an issue. No, the, 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 he complained about all the gear not being there. That's not true. There was training gear there from day one. The majority of the training gear arrived day late, so it's, that's irrelevant. But the training pitch was poor. Having said that, most of the training was going to be done a week later in Ismo. So Pan was mainly about acclimatisation and getting into the getting to 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 grips with the heat and the humidity in that yes. part of the world, which was which was uh, oppressive. So that worked very well, and the Irish team was one of the fittest at the World Cup. Mm. Okay, move on. There were issues, and the FEI, the other party in this, which I have always pointed out to me, also failed to live up to their the responsibilities. Keane was partly right, partly a fault. McCarthy the same, partly right, partly a fault. The FBI should have sorted this out before it got to the stage where the two of them had reached a point where McCarthy, in fairness, I think he had to, to, to discipline Keane because Keane took him on in front of everybody, even though McCarthy had stupidly, in my view, left himself open to having a, a, a blazing row in front of other people. You don't do that. You should have your, have your arguments, have your rows in private. So, but the FEI should have overseen that. If you've got a problem in your in your company or your organisation, yes, you sort it out. You don't let it get to a point of no return. And that's what the FEI, through their lack of initiative and lack of authority, let that happen. Mm. Before this, Paul, and you'd know more than most, what was the relationship like? They played together, and when McCarthy became manager, did anyone see this? What was there always issues between them? Yeah, there was a, there was an, an issue that because Keane was a bit flippant at times. He knew he was a very good player. Uh, was he, he, there was a bit of arrogance about him because he was he was playing with Forrest, then went to Manchester United. Their careers only overlapped for about a year. And McCarthy's career was coming to an end and ended a bit early because of injury. Mm. There was a famous incident, and it wasn't particularly all that big. It was, it was a three-match tour to the USA in 1992. Um, the, the day of the, the, the return flight back from Boston to Dublin, Keane and a few other players arrived back a bit late to pick up their gear to get the bus out to the uh, airport. And McCarthy had a bit of a clip, a verbal clip at Keane, and Keane just turned back and just told, told him to get lost and and been uh, and using uh, sort of the the the, the, the barest, uh, description of what he said there. And from then on, there was no love lost. And Keane didn't really rate McCarthy. He thought McCarthy was doing Jack's bidding 
to some extent. McCarthy was seen as 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 uh, Jack Jarton's enforcer around this, this the squad and the leader, and he was the captain of the team. So there was a bit of um, um, say a bit of friction there. But McCarthy was gone by ninety two. Mm. So. Then McCarthy came in '96, and the other thing is in 1996, Keane didn't turn up for uh, one of McCarthy. He turned up for his first game. Keane was sent off in McCarthy's first game. He kicked a, a Russian player at Lansdowne. Was was because uh, it was a friendly. He wasn't banned. We didn't turn up for the end of season tour. Fully enough, back to the states again, and that caused an issue yeah. uh, between the two of them. So there was no love lost. But uh, the way I descri- I've described it is there was a working relationship by the late '90s. Keane again got injured. He, he had the cruciate knee ligament injury in 97, 98. But from 90, late 98 to Saipan, they had a working relationship. And it worked to the benefit of both because Keane was their driving force in, in that Ireland team. He was one of the main reasons we got to the World Cup. Would, uh, you know. would we have gone further? 1-1 Cameroon, 1-1 Germany, 3-0 we beat Saudi Arabia. We're into the last 16. We draw with Spain, lose 3-2 on penalties. If Keane was in that team, this is always conjecture, but I'll ask you again: Would we have got past me? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind that we would, we would have. Uh, well, I can't say with Castle on certainly, but I think there's a very good chance we would have. Spain were really good. They scored early, early on against Morientes, got a goal, but we came into the into the game well that night, and we had as much of the second half as them. Deservedly equalised, missed a penalty, but then we got another one. And in, in, in extra time, we are as good as them, even if they'd only 10 men for the second half of extra time. I think with Keane in the team, we would have had an extra 5 or 10%, and arguably you could say yes. And then you must remember that the um, the Spanish uh, uh, then, then went out in the next round to, yes. to Korea from memory. Mm. So but there was a route to certainly to the semifinals for us. I'm not sure we would have got to the final. Yeah. Uh, and that would have been an incredible performance. In fairness to the players and McCarthy and the staff, what they did in the finals, given what had happened beforehand, was remarkable as well. And uh, there were some fine performance. Germany was a magnificent performance. Mm. So, uh, yeah, and we, we, we beat Saudi Arabia uh, 3-0, where, you know, our biggest win in the, in, in the finals. Yeah, oh, yeah. what could have been. Look, no need remi- to remind you, you were out there, but back home here, Paul, and yeah. you've, you've seen it. Listen, I spoke about this last week in company, and the hackles were raised again 20 years on, Paul. Yeah, it will continue. Funny enough, this 20th anniversary has been, I thought it was a bit of a slow burn because I think there's been a lot written about it and there has been so many years. You know, it's been a recurring team in our in our sport um, because of the fact that McCarthy came back as Ireland manager a few years ago. Uh, he's still high profile in the media. Mm. Keane, of course, is high profile all the time because he was a manager, assistant manager, and is now high profile on Sky. So with those two High profile, two people holding high profiles. The nature of what happened twenty years ago, and the fact that so much of it was chronicled in the media, it's going to be with us for a long time. Um, in some ways, probably need a bit of a break from it now for a little while. But I can tell you, wait till the twenty fifth anniversary. You know, somebody else, somebody will come out and write something, in a player or someone who was there, a player will mention it again, and that trigger will trigger it all again. So it's like it's. I think it's the biggest ever Irish sporting story. Yeah. You can say that success of Eamon Cockburn, Ronnie Delaney, mm. success of, of our boxers, the rugby team, people in horse racing, and, and people in other other global events. 
Dave, what their achievements and success stand up there. But in terms of the story, I think this is the biggest ever sports story that we, we, we've ever had and arguably probably ever will. Mm, we had the uh, government ministers involved, negotiators, <laughs> you name it. I'll never, ever forget it. And like more, pe- pr- there were more private planes sitting above and double <laughs> yes. airport sitting with Aberdeen. <laughs> yes. Somebody, I mean, Tony O'Reilly's pl- yeah. plane was supposed to be at, at the ready. Dennis O'Brien's plane was supposed to be at the ready to, to fly Keane home because negotiations went up on until Tuesday. The, the, the first game in Cameroon was on the Saturday, from memory. Mm. And Tuesday stroke Wednesday, there were still talks going on. Last-ditch talks involving the FBI, Keane, McCarthy, um, people in, in, I think there were Bertie Hearn had offered didn't you yes. mean? I think there was some there were some talks of him Mike, the late Michael Kennedy a lovely man who was, who was Keane's agent he was heavily involved Niall Quinn was involved uh, it was incredible because even though people some people didn't want Keane back I think they were in a minority because as a footballing question there was mm. only there was only one answer would Keane benefit the team and that was no doubt he would have had he been there if there was much effort put in up uh, up north here, we <laughs> we could have government devolved government back more quickly. <laughs> to be honest with you, when you reflect on it today, but uh, truly, Paul, you know, uh, people come down on one side or the other. You know, there's the McCarthyites and, and the Keen, uh, and near the twain, the twain shall meet. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, just how, how deep it did go. Uh, and yeah, it was little bits of those. Keane would always say that it was Cork against Dublin more so than the rest of the country because he had a bit of a, a chip of the shoulder but being ignored when he was an underage player. He, he got scant recognition when he was a kid growing up and playing for Rockmount that he should have got more international recognition. There's an element of truth to that. There's people who didn't like him because of he played for Manchester United. It was funny because if you get a relative, it brings out other prejudices and other loyalties. Uh, and a lot of people felt McCarthy was put in, in, in a, a difficult position. And I agree he was eventually. And he had to send Keane home. I, I, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't really argue with McCarthy at that stage. Yes, that when when Keane opened up with mm. both barrels verbally, mm. that uh, and, and and dismissed McCarthy as a manager, dismissed him as a player, dismissed him as as a figure in sport. That he was undermining the manager, and McCarthy had to uh, act. But my my point then has always been: I don't think he should have reached that point, and with better management of the situation by the FEI, it would not have reached that point. Does anything change in 20 years? No, we won't go down that road today. We'll let that rest with the listeners to consider. Paul, I really do appreciate you joining me this afternoon to reflect on the biggest sports story ever in this little country of ours 20 years on. Thanks indeed, Paul. Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. That's Paul Lennon there, Chief Soccer Writer with the Star Newspaper, who we spotted on RTE News last night. Where do you stand? McCarthy? Or Keane, 086-1800-658. WhatsApp me or text me now. That's 086-1800-658. Who was right? Who was wrong? Who do you back? What are your, your views today? 086-1800-658. I'll tell you how I feel after this break. McCarthy was right, says Malachy. Keane fell out with Ferguson too. Well, Ferguson chopped him before I think he could fall out with him. I'm on the side of Roy Keane there, says another listener. And there's another Keane. 
Fein fan. McCarthy was a fourth division player. That's a real put down for Mick McCarthy to be sure. Another one uh, coming to me there by text. Definitely Mick McCarthy. Roy has a tendency of letting his mouth run away with him. All talk and no trousers. Another one. Jerry, most definitely Roy Keane. Mick McCarthy hasn't a clue, says Joan in Drada. McCarthy all day long, says Keith in Clarehead this afternoon. Did you see that? I told you. 20 years on. Some for Keane, some for McCarthy. It splits nearly down the middle. I have to say... I'm a Roy Keane fan. I'll put my cards on the table and I'd back Keane. But really, the bogey in the room was the FAI. As Paul Lennon said, it should never have got to the point that it did. And that is a consideration we all must uh, take on board. McCarthy or Keane? Who are you with 20 years on? Let me know. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. i love to hear from you on the show this afternoon. I always smile when I think about it because if you're having a pint and I often throw that ball in and now and again. You know me, bit of a ball hopper. And next thing, boop, they take like a good big trout that's in there keen for a feed. No pun intended there at all. Anyway, keep the messages coming to me on your late lunch this afternoon. We're heading towards top of the hour now and more besides in the company of the wonderful Phil in it and Old Town. God, that's a real blow for the North East, isn't it? Listening to our news, 172 roles in Dundalk with PayPal look to be gone at this stage. And we think of all the people affected uh, by that news today. Um, they're saying they're committed to Ireland at their various locations, but still 172 families and people affected by that news today. Um, I'm sure that's a story that'll be rolling on tomorrow with Michael Reid on his show. Make sure to join us here on LMFM just after nine in the mornings. Now your comments on Saipan and I have to say it's rolling in favour of Roy Keane at this stage. Another listener on to me there saying Keane by a mile Jerry. Mina Curran. Hello Mina and to all the Currans, Figgy and their lovely young daughter there. And Mina tells me that it's Team Keane in this house for sure. Peter's been on from Dundalk. Management were asleep at the wheel, Jerry. Why was it left to Roy Keane to have to highlight the various issues? Roy Keane was let down badly, uh, says Peter. And there's another one there uh, just coming to me. Let me bring it up for you there and tell you what it says. I agree with you, Jerry, regarding the FAI, but McCarthy was the manager and was getting paid to manage his players and he should know their personalities. Ultimately, McCarthy Party's management of Roy Keane was inadequate. If you have something to say about Saipan, 20 years on, 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. And I'd be delighted to read whatever you have to say. Now, I read a very interesting article published in the Irish Times magazine at the weekend about COVID babies. And really, uh, the thrust of it is that We've underestimated the effect of the pandemic on our younger members of society. We're talking about children who are going to Montessori play school uh, and a lot of issues arising. And one of uh, the people featured in the article is a very good friend of ours because, you see, she's been with us on a number of occasions on the show. She's uh, the uh, woman who runs uh, the Happy Days Montessori School in Rithote, Eilish Balfe. I'm delighted to say hello again. Hello, Eilish. 
Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. And, you know, you've been with me before. Remember the writing to Jacinda Ardern and Kate Middleton visiting the local nursing or care home with your children. They're all lovely stories. I'll tell you this. When I read what you had to say on Saturday, it made really telling reading. Let me ask you this for a start, right? So we're talking about toddlers and preschoolers from two and a half that you looked after and uh, that you look after uh, missing out on social and emotional development. Can you tell our listeners, how does this manifest itself? So, as you know, early years is so important for brain development. Um, Children have most of their brain developed by the time they're five years old. So, and they get most of their learning through um, playing with peers, going out to see their cousins, going out to see the grandparents, as you know, I'm a huge fond of. And for two years, they were missing that. You know, for the guts of two years, they were missing that. Plus, their parents, we were all at home in a hyper state of survival. Um, the earlier services did close down for a number of months in March 2020. Um, parents were trying to mind their own children while working from home. Um, and we are seeing the effects of that now in the preschool, unfortunately, you know. So, like what? What, what do you see? Uh, t- things like, I, I take it, you know, when they go there, they play with their friends. Was yeah. that difficult for them re-engaging again? Yeah, we had to go back to basics, you know, and, um, you know, when they come into preschool, usually at that age, um, because they've been out with their peers and they've been out meeting people in parent and toddler groups or in playgrounds, they're at a place called imaginative play. So they can play with each other and they make up fabulous games and, you know, we get great ideas from the games they make up as well. But they were unfortunately parallel playing, which means they were playing actually beside each other, but not with each other. Mm. So, you know, if some if a child went to take something then that somebody else was playing with, you know, um, they couldn't, you know, they, they just couldn't grasp that they were meant to be playing with each other rather than beside each other. Um, and we also found that speech was delayed, um, receptive language, they couldn't follow a set of instructions. So we really had to go back to basics, Jerry, where we were given them one step instruction at a time. And in preschool, I always tell the parents, it does take them a while to settle in. It always does. And before Halloween, um, you'll always get this light bulb moment where they just know what to do, you know. Unfortunately, we found that that light bulb moment actually didn't happen until well into the second term, you know. Yes. Um, and speaking to my colleagues around the countries as well, country who are in early years, they were having the same problems as well. Um, and uh, so we were just trying to see how, you know, we'd noticed something, we'd recognise it, and obviously we would, would respond to it. We would have to meet a child where they are now, um, but we literally had to go back to the basics and meet them where they were now because they lost all that unfortunate learning that they get from their peers and their family. Yeah. So I take it with parallel play, the issue of sharing, which you love to teach children from a very early age as well. That was an issue, was it too? It was, yeah. And like, you know, they don't, you know, children don't have have the concept of sharing, you know, straight away. They don't. If they want something, they want to play with it, mm. you know. But we work with it. We, you know, we we, we do have a great kind of um, emotion program in here, as you know, Jerry, because we won award for how we teach in kindness yes. and everything. 
But we really had to go back to basics on that as well. You know, the kindness tree um, was there, but they didn't really, they didn't really care if they were in it or not, you know. Um, So like they, you know, so we had to really go back to the basics. But, you know, we changed a lot of the emotions boards as well. We changed, we had brave in it, we had proud in it. And that worked for us, you know. So um, we, I'd say I'm really proud of you. And they were delighted with that. They put their face in it. And then they got to the stage where if they did share something or they did do something, they put their face in the kindness tree and then I'm proud as well. But we, like, it did take us about six months, Jerry, to actually get to that place with them where it would normally take six or seven weeks when they first come into us yes isn't that interesting now technology you know them so they're early adapters and getting earlier all the time but during lockdown with parents having to work at home there was a tendency and really some could do nothing else but to introduce them early to technology to keep them occupied you know what I'm talking about Uh, I I would call them techno kids from, from a very young age now how, how did that, you know, impact? Um, that we, we saw that with speech, um, as I said, with receptive language and expressive language was behind, you know. Um, eye contact wasn't there either because, you know, and, and we've often done it ourselves. If we're on a phone and, a, and somebody, um, if we're looking at our phone and somebody, your child, I've even done it myself with my own children, they speak to us. We actually keep looking at the phone while we answer. We actually don't make eye contact with them. So eye contact was was gone as well. So we were having conversations with ourselves and our colleagues going, is there something more? Do we have to address this with a parent and say they need to get an assessment of needs done? Or is this due to COVID, you know? Um, So we we really had to sit down and see, you know, um, the effects of COVID. And it has had a massive um, effect, unfortunately, on them. We're seeing anxiety. We're seeing a little bit of challenging behaviour. But, you know, we have to look behind that and see that, like, you know, what went on the last couple of years. You know, we were were all in. Then, you know, June, they said, oh, you can go out again, June 2020. And we were all out. And then we were back in again. And then we were out. And, you know, it, it was very, very hard for them to grasp this, you know, as well as ourselves being adults, it was very hard for us to grasp. Mm. Now, it's not all bad news because we wanted to talk about and I wanted you to explain the issues that have uh, come from COVID and, and what you're dealing with. But the good news is children can do and will recover. Oh, they, yeah, absolutely. Um, like, you know, we, as you know, we go down to the nursing home, Jerry. We're back into the nursing home again. Now, we sit on the stage and the residents are away from us. But we can see already, even with those visits, that the children are starting to respond to um, older people again. Like, we had a situation when we came back in August, just this year, where one of our children, if, if, if a maintenance person came in to look at the fire alarm, I think she would actually cry because... She was so upset about seeing somebody else. She wasn't used to it. Um, but now we're back in. Things are opening up again. And it's lovely to see them, you know, after school. They're going to grannies. They're talking about communion parties. Um, some of the children in here who are five years old had their very first birthday parties where they could invite their friends. So it's not all bad news. And even the technology isn't bad news because I think we all realise now how, te- how good technology is and we have discovered that, like, teaching our children from a very early age of mindful usage is also better than, you know, no usage because we're living in a world of technology now, too. 
What uh, about the child that is still struggling? Most uh, will recover uh, with time and with people like yourselves, uh, your interventions, etc. And of course, at home as well. What would you recommend if a child, you know, is, is struggling? Are you as well seeking professional help and children? Where should you go for that? Yes, I would. I've had to have, you know, a couple of difficult conversations where a child may need an assessment of need because we don't know if it's if it's a COVID effect. So absolutely get um, the professionals on board. But you know what? Children just love to play. And I think allow them to play as much as possible. Allow them to be outdoors as much as possible. But, um, you know, they're, unfortunately, you probably know, Jerry as well, the lists are so long for child psychologists, mm. for assessment of needs. Um, I would suggest to people if they had the money to go private, but don't, if you have a gut feeling, don't let anything fester at all. Um, absolutely get those professionals involved because, you know, um, with speech and language as well, with the list so long, um, you know, it could come to a point where, you know, the speech and language therapist finally rings you and they now have speech and they now have receptive language and they're, they're making eye contact again. So it's better sometimes to have them on the list that you can take them off than not put them on the list at all. Very good advice there. So in conclusion, to parents listening today and people who are looking after children, let them out, let them play, let them let mingle. Them That's the message. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Let them play. And you know what? Play with them. Get down on that floor and, and play with them. Um, because their imagination, as you know, Jerry, we have wrote a Jacinda Adern and everything because that's where a child will leave you, lead you. At the moment, we're learning about the European Union because of the Eurovision. So <laughs> it's, but Teacher Eilish was doing a very bad mistake. She was putting the UK in it and, you know, completely forgetting that they're not in the European Union anymore. Um, but absolutely let them play. And, um, you know, you can even get pots. And, you know, you don't have to have elaborate toys. Pots, if you're into noise, get the pots out, get the pans out and just let them, you know, out in the mud with those pots and pans and they'll they'll be making you ice cream and bringing you to McDonald's and absolutely just let them go for it. Ah, uh, imagination is what it's all about. But that's the, I want to say that again, even though issues, there are issues and, and they've... Uh, uh, they really materialised from the pandemic. We're coming out from that now and children can catch up and their minds are just endless in what they can uh, bring to the uh, equation. Eilis, yeah. you're fantastic. Keep doing what you're doing at Happy Days in Ritholt. Thanks so much, Jerry. It was lovely to speak to you again. Thank you so much. Not at all. Thank you for joining me on Late Lunch. Eilis Balth there from Happy Days Montessori School in Rathout. An issue, an issue for a lot of people, but the good news is it can certainly be worked on. I have more comments about Keane and McCarthy to get to shortly, but after the break, it's time for your Two and Tuesday. 2014 is the year for our Two and Tuesday on Late Lunch this afternoon. It just never made Louise the number one spot. But let me tell you this. It was the most streamed song of 2014 with 87 million listens. What I can't believe about it's that? that far back. Yeah, yeah, it is 2014. And, and when you hear, people will be surprised when we play it because it seems very fresh in my mind mm. and I know in yours too. Mm. 15 weeks in the top 10 in the charts. Four non-consecutive weeks at number two. And he is one of our own. Your two on Tuesday comes from Hosier.
Our two on Tuesday, Hosier and Take Me to Church. I love that song. I don't. I know. I she actually had, left to get water and she, the flipping thing is played in reception. She left the studio not to listen to it. Did you switch that off when it was riding high in the charts if you were listening to it? I still switch it off. You don't like it? I don't like it. I absolutely, it's not funny, but that's musical taste. Mm. Everyone's is different. You don't like it. She did. She left. She had her fingers in her ear. And going out the <laughs> la, 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you, as I said, it was the most streamed of the year. 15 weeks in the top 10, uh, four non-consecutive at number two in the chart. So that meant there were a number of number ones when it was number two, including Cheryl Cole with Crazy Stupid Love, Magic and Rude. But we'll give this one a little spin. This was one of the songs Songs that prevented Hosier making number one. Now am I wrong for trying to reach the things that I can see? That's just how I Nico and Vince, am I right? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, I think I was wrong. I love that song. It's a great song. <laughs> it's a real summer vibe, oh, hasn't it? Oh, it's a real sunshine and yeah. ice cream song. Yeah. Driving song. The other one might depress you oh, a little bit. Oh, yeah. Dark clouds and rain. <laughs> it's Louise's day today on Two and Tuesday. <laughs> yes, yes, I do like that song. I do indeed. So there you have it. Uh, Nico and Vince making number one. Hosier, not just getting there. Anyway, we'll bring you another one uh, on Tuesday of next week. Louise, look at those comments. Comments about Keane and McCarthy. I'm only reading some some of them here. Eddie Joyce, my good friend, has been on to me. Thanks, Eddie. Keane should have been sent somewhere else to acclimatise to the weather. He was a bit of a loner anyway. FAI definitely to blame, says Eddie. But I'm on the Keane side of the fence. There you are, same side as myself. Thanks, Eddie. Uh, another listener on to us saying, Keane was right, but picked the wrong time to highlight the issue. He let the country down. A lot of people, you know, would feel that for sure. Mm. Another one there, Jerry Colin Healy was supposed to be a replacement for Roy Keane, but didn't get 
get to go and I have his Irish shirt from 2002 I got it from my father who got it from my auntie's partner I still have it today there's a little bit of history as well good on you another one from Flaming Eamon this afternoon I heard your interview Jerry saying sorry I beg your pardon I heard your interviewee Paul Lennon top of the show saying Roy Keane got sent off for kicking a Russian player if that was today He'd have won the Ballon d'Or. <laughs> That's the top prize for the top footballer in Europe. Eamon, I get it. We all get it, of course. We know what you're you're hitting at there for sure. Still but so divisive, isn't is it? it? 20 look, years on. Look at that, Louise. Mm. I, uh, and I bet you point. they'll all remember exactly where they were yes, when they yes. heard about it. And if I mention it at the Wednesday Club tomorrow night, it'll just go woof again. <laughs> <laughs> the McCarthyites and the Keens on the other side. Ah, oh, Barney, he's not. He's not that. No, no, Barney, he's not that. He's not that. He was a great Irish player, Barney. And I'm not going to even say that word. I thank you for contacting me. He was a fantastic player for United and for Ireland. And he just, you know, he wanted, like, he wanted for, the best. For Roy Keane wanted the best. He was a perfectionist. Absolute, is a perfectionist. Absolute. That's that's what he is. And he calls it as he uh, as it is when he's on as a uh, uh, an analyst. Now, they love him as a punter. They really, really do. But look, uh, I, I hear what you're saying, Barney. Barney didn't appreciate Roy Keane at all and probably still doesn't. I wonder, is Barney a Liverpool fan? <laughs> because a lot of club stuff run on runs beneath this, you know, as well as Paul Lennon uh, mentioned. But there you go. It's divisive still 20 years on and Paul Lennon expects the 25th anniversary to be a, a really special occasion. We love your comments. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now, coming shortly on Late Lunch after our next break, Paul Clark is with us and he is a man... I'm going to ask him about Keane, actually, because... He's a man that's been involved in sport, among other things, all his life. He's into excellence in performance and he can help you get the most out of the talent at your disposal in your teams, in your workplace. And Paul is with us next. Now, my next guest is founder of Connect Performance and award-winning sports performance consultancy, Match Fit. And he's worked for over 35 years in the fields of business development as a head coach, manager and sports scientist in the world of sports performance. And I'm delighted to have him with me on late lunch this afternoon. Paul Clark, welcome. Jerry. Good to talk to you again. How are you? I'm really good and it's great to have you with us on this auspicious day, 20 years from Saipan. I couldn't waste the opportunity, but put it yeah. to you, would you have handled it differently? Um, yeah, I think I think there's, there's a lot of store in, in, in um, somebody maybe overseeing the two guys and reminding them what was what, what came first, which was the team as opposed to anything else. And, you know, everyone's got their opinion on the whole thing, but... I guess it was two very strong personalities clashing at the same time um, and there was no winner, unfortunately. Mm. Um, and, and ultimately, the, the most important entity of the whole lot, the team, they suffered the most, really. Um, mm. Because as I guess as hindsight will prove that they could have actually gone a little bit further with his help on the field, you know. That's so true and uh, it really was. The loser was the team and ultimately the country and perhaps uh, further progression as Paul Lennon mentioned to me earlier on in the World Cup itself. Now let's talk about the uh, the subject matter that we're going to chat about today. You know, about business and, you know, being successful in business, having a profitable business with happy staff who contribute 100% uh, most of the time to the, to the effort. Um, is that point well 
sit w- does it sit well nowadays with m- all businesses that it, you're only as good as the weakest link in your team? Yeah, it does, Jerry. I mean, it's becoming increasingly recognised because I think that, you know, particularly the, the bigger companies have cottoned on to the fact that business performance is human performance, really. Um, and they're having to understand things like talent exodus, which they haven't to understand maybe in the, even in the last five, six, seven, eight years. Um, and it's very, very prevalent now. So I think, you know, uh, those kind of medium-sized companies and it's filtering down to small companies, startups, micro-companies, they're beginning to understand that even though they're, they're quite busy, they have busy lives, try to focus on business performance, that at the root of that is actually people performance, um, be that the, the performance of the owner themselves and the people around them, the immediate leadership group, and then the people that are working within the business. Um, because it can be, you know, performance, you know, can, it can be a fuel. Personal performance can be a fuel for a business, but it can also be a governor for a business. It can limit the it can limit the access to the capability within the business. So it's becoming more and more understood. Um, I guess the big challenge is then is for people to to really drill down into and understand the actions that they can take on a daily basis to to bring that to life. And when you mention those actions, the landscape has also changed since COVID because we are going to have this model going forward of different ways of working. You know, some people working at home full time, part time, the office, you know, that combination thing. Does that make it more difficult, Paul? Um, I guess it's 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 a new dynamic, really, Jerry. I mean, I think. No matter what, the job still has to be done, and the, the job being, you know, a, a moving feast, if you like, for everybody. But you you still have to complete your role. You still have to do well, and for the business to do well, everybody within the business has to perform their role well. So it's it's a slightly different dynamic. Um, now that said, I guess probably the, the equation that I use to the maths equation that I use to to try and explain this to people is that, as I'd see it, performance equals capability multiplied by ability. And your capabilities is your is your skill set within your role, and it tends to get a lot of investment, a lot of attention, you know. And it's it's quite out there. It's quite you know front of house, if you like. Mm. Um, there's there's no shortage of training in general, but your ability that I speak about is your performability, and that's your ability to access your capability, um, which is your performance potential, and that's largely kind of forgotten. It's it's parked, and it doesn't get much investment, and. If you kind of look at the equation I mentioned, their capability multiplied by ability gives you your performance. It becomes quite clear that that ability, as I said, becomes a governor or a limiter on your capability. So what, what do I mean by that? Well, so if I say to Jerry Kelly, how do you feel today, Jerry? 80% plus of the people I work with will say something, you know, they'll, they'll say something, ah, I'm okay. But I said, well, mark that out of 10. And they'll say to me, ah, I'm five or I'm six. Okay. And the average is coming in around 54 so even if these are people of capability that you'd mark nine out of 10, they're outstanding in role potentially, that's governed by their ability to access that on a daily basis. Mm. So you suddenly can't magic that extra, you know, four out of 10 to bring you up to nine out of 10 ability to get the performance that you want. Um, we see this in sport quite a lot. You know, mm. it's the guys or girls that land to train and that haven't slept well, that haven't eaten well, that haven't kind of prepared well, they're not ready to perform. So they suddenly can't magic a great training performance. And if you're not performing well in training, you're not going to perform well in the big day on an ongoing basis. You may get lucky, yes. but on an ongoing basis, you know, you're not going to do it. So I think people really have to 
understand what's at the root of personal performance um, and differentiate that from capability. Yeah, that's really interesting. And ability... Is it ability? It differs, of course, from person to person. And can you can you drive that on? Can you raise somebody's ability, everybody's ability, Paul? Yeah, you can. Um, everybody's going to have a different start point. You're dead right. Yeah. Um, you know, so somebody will tell you today, yeah, I feel eight out of ten. Somebody else will tell you they feel four out of ten, and and they, they look they look okay for want of a, for want of a better way of explaining. But I guess really, kind of what I've done is I've, I've brought it down to its. I guess it's it's bare roots if you like and there's um a thing that i use called um the 5s and effectively what we want to do is working with a person or people um is really look at these these bedrock habits in their life that dictate their ability to perform on a daily basis so if you just run through those 5s yep. you've got stress sleep you've got um staying active sustenance and psychology now i know psychology doesn't be given an s but they're just wordplay yes. on that one um but yeah, it, all of those things there are effectively certainly your ability, your staying act, your ability to stay active, which is your physical activity levels, your stress, and your sleep are all measurable. And I do that using something that we use in sports science to actually make it as objective and as individualized and personalized as possible. From there, then you can actually begin to understand people have people's habits on a daily basis that inform how they feel and function the next day. So I'll give you an example. If you take, say, sleep. So when, we, when I measure people's sleep, very often someone will say to me, yeah, you know, I kind of get up, I feel crap. I don't, I don't feel good, but I get eight hours sleep. It can become quite obvious quite quickly to me by just measuring what's going on from a physiological point of view with them, that whilst they might be getting enough quantity of sleep, the quality of rest and recovery and recuperation within that eight hours is not sufficient to leave them refreshed and feeling good the next day. Mm. Now, the, the thing with this is that it compounds. So you may start okay on a Monday, but as the week wears on and on and on and on and on, you can kind of hit, for want of a better phrase, the red zone by Thursday morning, Thursday lunchtime. And if that's happened across the, the kind of the company, well, all of a sudden Friday and, and Thursday afternoon are write-offs. So it's quite, it's quite I guess, easy then to, to show the person and people in question there with their individualized reports what's actually blocking that quality of rest and recovery within their sleep. And typically it's what they do before bedtime in the hours, in the one to two hours before bedtime. Um, it's, just, it's generally, Jerry, it comes down to, and it's not the same for everyone, of course, but generally it comes down to the fact that we live in this kind of always on culture mm. where we're kind of, you know, fired and wired. Uh, and that, that translates across lives. People, you know, in the couple of hours before bedtime, they're still glued into email. They're still reading stuff about work. They're checking their phone, you know, they're, they're, they're multitasking, they're half looking at the game on telly, they're looking at their email, they're doing reports, they're getting ready for tomorrow. And there's no sense of a, of a come down into bedtime. It's going to bed still wired and high, if you like. So, yeah, the, eye, the eyes are closed and you're asleep, but the, the quality of your rest and recovery is not there. And as I said, then, you know, what happens then the next day is there's a price to pay for that. And the price to pay for that is not feeling good. And then if you ally that with not being able to manage and balance stress, not having a decent physical activity regime, so your sustenance, your nutrition's out of whack, and then things like, you know, the psychology behind performance, just even simple things like self-talk, that kind of thing. Yes. All of those things then compound together to leave you feeling, you know, as people would say, not bad, which means they're kind of about four or five mm. out of ten. Mm. Um, so you can see quite quickly then, you know, in a business, in a small business where there's maybe the, the startup owner 
and maybe two, three, four other people. If the startup owner is like that, well, then that quickly kind of spreads. That kind of becomes the way of behaving, the way of acting for everybody within the business. So whilst these people might be very, very capable in their own right and in their role and very, very skilled, they, they quickly run out of road in terms of, you know, in, in terms of having the ability to express that. And that brings frustrations. It, it, it brings all kinds of things. It brings worse than frustrations. It brings things like burnout because they end up kind of feeling right and spinning the wheels here because they're driving with their foot on the accelerator and brake at the same time. So really what I try and do is help them remove their foot from the brake and help them understand these limiting habits that are, you know, that are within these bedrock habits mm. so that they can change. Yes. And, 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 and when you intervene and, and you, your experience is vast, you've actually mm-hmm. see, you've seen how this can actually, you know, change the dynamic of a business, change the results, the outcome, how people are feeling, management across the board. This works. Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. As I said to you, because generally speaking, these 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 people are, you know, within a business, as I said, even a small startup, you know, of, of four or five people, they're skilled, they're passionate, they know what they're at. They're not they're not amateurs per se. You mm. know, they, they they they've practiced long and hard. They may have worked in that particular space for a long time. Now they've branched out on their own, you know, but they they kind of hit a bit of a roadblock when it comes to the performance aspect because nobody's actually ever touched on it. It's kind of this invisible thing. It's it it exists out there in the ether and we all nod about it, but nobody actually talks about it. And certainly, you know, in terms of training investment, training courses, anything like that, that's that's kind of that people have to go through. There's very little around this, around helping them improve their ability to access their capability. It doesn't really happen. It's almost like like an assumption. Whereas if you flip that on its head and you, you, you come into the world of sport, you know, there's a huge focus on that because like we know in sport that, you know, if if, if somebody's not sleeping properly, they're not going to train properly. If they're mm. not training properly, they're not going to perform properly. So we, we take steps within the sport then to help them through that. Um, equally well, if they're not eating properly, you know, that's going to have a negative effect on, on, the, on their ability to, to, to perform, on their readiness to perform. And, and you can't have that. So there's a direct kind of correlation, causation that's very, very obvious in sport. Whereas if we kind of within business, if we had kind of like viewed people in a business as business athletes and as true assets of the company, it changes the filter which we look through, look at things through. And then that, that might change a little bit our views of, of how people perform because, you know, the, the stresses of life, have never been higher, especially mm. say the last couple of years. There's inflation. There's all of these things. So somebody that wasn't feeling great before is definitely not just going to feel great off their own bat now. So it's really a matter of, of giving people that helpful hand because I come back to what I said at the start: business performance is human performance. You know, we we, we can't outperform our perception of ourselves. You know, if, if Jerry Kelly, Kelly tells me he's six out of ten today. Jerry Kelly's performance is probably going to be a maximum of six out of ten today, and I see that in sport all the time. Yeah. You know, it's it's quite hard to perform that perception. You've explained it brilliantly, and 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 tied in the ability with the capability, and then the outcome, of course, is the performance. And those five S's make eminent sense. And of course, you know, you you have people who have families, as you said. There's so much going on in their lives and personal issues sure. as well to to be factored into this. People, I'm sure, my ears have been picked up really for the last while and, and I really get it now. I have to say that to you, Paul. How can people get more of you or find out more about you? 
Um, we'll probably go to my website first. It's connectperformance.ie. Um, and then through the usual other channels, things like Facebook, it's just to type in Connect Performance to find me there. Um, on Twitter, it's Connect Perform. Somebody else had got Connect Performance. Um, so I had to just go Connect Perform on that. Yeah. So any of those places there, the website or probably Facebook, are probably the, the, the easiest places to, to, to get a hold of me. And be happy to talk to anybody about this. Paul, I'm always happy to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, you too. See you soon. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. The brilliant guy, Paul Clark there from Connect Performance. It really, really does make sense. And he's open to all comers to chat to. If you want to find out more about him, Connect Performance is the name of the business. Yeah. Mr. Billy Joel from the 1984 album Innocent Man his fourth single from that album and another cracker from Billy Uh, what a great man of music he is Louise did you 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 know this news you do indeed public is it public phones public booths in New York City all gone all gone all gone. The Only end. cell phones, isn't that what they call them over there? Yeah, the end of the pe- the end where you go in and make your call in a po- you know the phones are hanging on the pedestals on the side of the streets or I don't think they ever had kiosks in the states, had they? Like here, you know, you know the telephone box. Yeah, yeah. Where did Superman change then? Oh, he did. He did. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I take that back. I take that back immediately. You're right. Superman did change. Of course he did. But it's the end of the public payphone anyway in New York City. Over, done and dusted forevermore. Amen. And in their day, you know, there were queues, people queuing up mm. to use them before we had these little tiny things that we have here beside us that bring the world into our lives at the touch of a button. Do you ever have much cause to use pay phones yourself? Had you a phone at home in your house? No. I didn't. We didn't get a phone until I was in my 20s. And did you use pay phones? Yeah, there was one in Silver Lawns and we just, if I had to make a phone call, you'd go either to your auntie's or you'd walk up to the pay phone okay. and use it for was was it 20 cents or something? Yeah, 20 20p. Pence, 20p for your phone call. call. And was it always working? No. <laughs> That's and there the was thing. always a stench in it. Oh, jeez, was there? Yeah. Is right. <laughs> the time <laughs> the we, smell. I told you that the oh. time, the time we sat in Donald Sexton stink bombed the local uh, telephone box. <laughs> Nobody could use it. We went we brats <laughs> broke stink bombs and the people wouldn't go near you it. You could have stopped an emergency call. I hope you're oh, feeling guilty now. Listen, Donald cut the receiver off the phone <laughs> once <laughs> and then got a pang of conscience of what he'd done when he thought about that and rang the P&T giving out shite <laughs> to them. <laughs> he did indeed. I remember going to London many moons ago and going into a, a phone box and about these little business cards everywhere and I thought oh, the very creative people selling their services in the phone boxes all right. mm. they all belong to ladies <laughs> it's not a phone box you need Jerry. it's a confession box <laughs> I remember us bringing them home us to show them to the lads here hey look at this Jesus almighty when you think of it at, at the time what it was anyway it's no more in New York City late lunch LMFM radio news weather and sport on the way Now, my soundtrack this week comes from a movie and the movie is The Greatest Showman and what a soundtrack it is. I don't think there's a weak song, to be honest with you, on it. And the story of the movie itself, The Greatest Showman, it it revolves around P.T. Barnum, who opens a museum in downtown Manhattan. And the idea is, it's like Madame Tussauds, wax figures initially, but that doesn't go well for him at all. So he decides to change tack and engage real performers. But 
performers with a quirkiness about them and it really does take off at that stage. Um, he tours the world with it and he's welcomed in countries across Europe before returning to his native USA where unfortunately the circus burns down and it looks like all is lost but however as uh, is the want in a good story it returns bigger and better it rises from the ashes and uh, you just have to go and check out the movie uh, to find out what it's all about anyway the uh song uh, of the soundtrack the song from the soundtrack uh, which I'm featuring today is a very special one and just uh, to say again that the movie itself premiered in New York City on board the QE2 which was docked in the city at the time back in 2018 now that song I'm talking about today is sung by a young P.T. Barnum who's dreaming of what could be and it features the wonderful Hugh Jackman accompanied by Michelle Williams and Ziv Zaifman. So from uh, my chosen soundtrack this week from The Greatest Showman, here is A Million Dreams. Oh, simply superb. From The Greatest Showman, my featured soundtrack this week, A Million Dreams. And as I say again, there isn't a weak song in that movie. And I'll bring you another one and more about it round about this time tomorrow. Now, we were talking about pay phones and public phones being uh, uh, ending, ending in New York. No more of them at this stage. Uh, the other issue in the news here at home and being looked at around the world is the cost of hiring a car. If you're coming to Ireland on holidays, the costs are very, very high. And similarly, going abroad, they have risen too. Well, a man from County Loud, who we talked to from time to time on Late Lunch, based in New York, who travels the world, knows all about hiring cars and is joining us next to talk about it. Nigel McKenna's on Late Lunch after the break. If there's anybody who knows about hiring cars, and the cost it has to be our Nigel McKenna based in New York City but travels the world afternoon or good morning Nigel Good morning, Jerry. How are you? I'm good afternoon. <laughs> it's great to be in two zones at once. Not many people achieve that. Thank you for joining me again. Remind me, because you told us before that uh, when you were in Ireland recently, you couldn't believe in the jump in terms of hiring a car for your stay. Will you just remind us of those figures? Because I, I go home to Ireland maybe four times a year. And for the last 10 years, I rent cars, you know, for three days, weekends. Mm. I come in on a Friday and I leave on a Monday morning. I fly back home, fly back to New York. And I usually pay, you know, 275 to, to 293 And even last October, it was it was um, 293 euros I mm. rented for the three days. Mm. And then when I started looking in January to book for the upcoming trip in um, in April, it was 1,345 euros for the same car, the same intermediate car. And that doesn't include insurance. And then when you go to the airport, you have to pay either uh, 26 or basic insurance per day or 48 euros per day for insurance. And um, when I went, I, 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 was, I, was, I was really shocked because my ticket from Nice 
to Dublin and my town was 298. Mm. And my car went, it's going to be 1,345 euros. Oh, my. You see the other other tourists, you know, uh, coming in, you know, especially the American ones, and, you know, they they tell you, well, you know, you're deductible. And even they said it to me, but it's like, you might as well talk, they tell you, you're deductible, you're liability. If you have a scratch in the car, we'll charge you 1,634 euros. Like, they they tell you that. Because I'm looking at my, I still have my receipts and stuff. Mm. And if you don't, if you if you don't take out the, the fully insurance, they charge you four thousand euros on your card. And um, even so, this time I didn't rent the car. I decided I'm only going from Dublin to to Dundalk, and I'm just going to you know park there and go see family. And uh, I rented a van because uh, the vans are still available at the same prices. So I managed to rent the van for like two hundred and thirty-one euros. For the, for the three days instead. And that included all insurance. But I remember seeing the poor American guy beside me and it was saying, well, if you don't have the full insurance, and he said, how much is that more? Well, that's 50 a day. So you had to pay $50 extra just in case yeah. he got a dent in the car, you know? And, um, but, but, you know, but, it's, but it's, Nigel, it's a scam. Nigel, it, it, that's, th- those are incredible increases. I mean, absolutely incredible. Why sold the van remaining the same. Did you do any research on that, why that is? Well, they didn't sell the vans. Yeah. What happens is during COVID, because no one was renting the cars, yes. all these cars lying around, and everybody was coming back and travelling, the values of the cars, second-hand cars, were up in market value. Okay. And so they sold, they sold the cars, Yes. kept the vans, and then when they wanted to, um, now when everything's back to normal, Cars are scarce. Okay. There's scarce cars everywhere, and then that's the that's. But that seems to only happen in Dublin. I I rented cars two weeks ago in France, and I rent cars for employees. I rent cars for the principals. I rent you know beautiful luxury cars. I rent minis, and the price only went up five percent. Mm. So you know that was from two thousand and 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 twenty twenty one. Yes. So see, I mean, I, I can't speak for other places in Europe, but I also rent cars in Germany. I rent cars in Italy. And it's the same. It's usually not not so much difference. You know, it's yes. not like three of not what's happening in Dublin. You oh. know, I can and it, and it discourages you from going home. I mean, I can go. Yeah, I can go to France and you know rent rent a villa for that price for for you know for for four or five days instead of mm. going to Dublin and just renting a car. Well, you you know what this is. You never mind. You, you you make a real salient point there because what it's going to do is people ain't going to come to this country. They're not going to come near it with rates like that. To be honest with you, and as you said, you can rent a villa in France for the same price as you can rent a small car here in Ireland. And when you mentioned France, Germany, Italy, where you're familiar with doing business, we are totally out of step. What about the states back home there? Has there been a, a there hasn't been a, a jump like this? No, no, I mean, if you book it ahead of time, you know, the, the way you normally do, you're yeah. okay. It's just last minute you're going to pay. Like, of course. Else, but it's not it's not the same here. You mm. know, when I was speaking to the, the the driver of the van that drives me back from the rental to, to the airport, he said, there's no cars. They sold them all, and that's why it's like this. And everybody did the same thing. I said, well, we're trying to buy Kias, which is unheard of. Like, you know, that brand, they usually have different brands. Yes. Just, just to get the vehicles here. They just don't have them, you know, and then... 
that's just that's, that's the reality of it all. You yeah, know? no, this yeah. is this is a rolling story here, and it's really receiving promise, prominence. And we knew that you would have a good take on this from a European and US perspective. So until they get the rolling stock in, we're facing these prices. The only, the only thing, Nigel, I worry about generally when prices go up, it takes a while for them to go back down. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but, I mean, I looked at it now, the same car, just out of curiosity, but I went out like three or four months and they didn't want to go in the summertime. Let mm. me go to October when I normally come. It's 539 per day for the same car that I rented in October in the same period for 393 for the three days. Full insurance. And now it's 593 per day. Oh, that is, that's scandalous. I have to say it's scandalous and I wouldn't uh, blame anybody for not, uh, you know, getting involved with rental cars at that price. And it is going to hit our tourism industry. There's certainly no doubt about that. Like, like I I go on to .ie websites because I I also check when I'm in France, when I'm based in France because of the IP address and, you know, you might see, they might give a European a different price and I check it here in the States. Mm. Nothing changes, same price. But whether you're in Ireland booking it, whether you're in France booking it, it's just the same price once you're leaving from Dublin. Oh, you know it's back. Rip Off Republic is back and alive and well once more. Just before you go, because I'm about to finish up, did you shed a tear today with the public payphones ending uh, their lifespan in New York City? I'm sure you rang home from them in your day. I rang home from them today, but I always remember lying because when the cell towers went down on top of the, the World Trade Center, the lines went down and all the cell phones. Mm. So no cell phones was working. So everybody was queuing up to the public phones. And we'd call home, I'm fine, I'm walking home, hang up. And it was just, it's part of history. You yeah. Know? So it, that part is, that's the sad part of it. Yeah, my God Almighty, there you go. 9-11 and the payphones. Um, we think of all the people who lost their lives, but those who didn't uh, were able to relay messages to their loved ones to ease their worries. Nigel, you're great. Have a great day there, and thank you again for joining me on the show. Take care of yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye, Thanks. Nigel. Thanks. Bye-bye. Nigel McKenna there. Isn't that just scandalous? It is a total rip-off for sure. That's almost it for today on the show. Sinead Cavanagh and her daughter are getting ready for the Bloom Festival and they're mad into their gardens. They're joining me tomorrow. Roisin Curtis will be with us. She's a woodwork teacher extraordinaire and more besides coming your way between 1.30 and 3.30 here on LMFM Radio. But up next on the station, Eddie Caffrey's raring to go with the drive. Wonderful music and more besides. Stay with us and we'll be back tomorrow, 1.30. See you then. Bye. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Check out the new sporty and spacious Renault Arcana in petrol and full hybrid. Guaranteed delivery, low AP or finance and 48-hour test drive. Visit blackstonemotors.ie. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.